Welcome to WTF is Web3, where we untangle the uncertainties of Web3 technologies. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information, giveaways, and ways to stay in touch. You're also going to want to make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast, our YouTube channel, and our private group so you don't miss out on exclusive content, freebies, and much more. This is easily going to go down as one of our favorite episodes by far. This is an interview with Blake Ian. He's one of the masterminds behind the Tunny Money NFT project. Whether or not you're familiar with the Tiny Money Project, you will be by the end of this. You'll probably be a fan of it. We go through the project pretty thoroughly, dissecting it, going behind the scenes, talking about everything from its genesis to bringing it to fruition to future roadmaps and hints at what's to come. But most importantly, through Blake's experience, we're able to gain and he's able to share some of his insight and perspective, which is invaluable. So there's some dense information in this conversation that we have. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed having it with him. And I hope you find the information as valuable as John and I did when we were having the conversation. Without any further ado, let's jump right into it. So we've got Blake Ian from, well, the most recent project. And what we're going to be speaking specifically about is the Tunny Money NFT. Blake, thank you for taking the time, making the time and joining us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. And yeah. uh, we're just going to kind of uh, ad lib as we go. And um, I, I figure it's it's best to start off with your background and kind of get an idea as to who you were before Tony Money, wherever you want to take us, anything that you don't want to admit. You know, we might have some federal authorities listening, so keep that in mind. But uh, what did you do before you were the, the Tony Money, one of the Tony Money masterminds? Um, I did a lot of things. I have not had a, um, I've not had a day job, uh, in quite a while, probably since my early, early twenties. Um, so I've done a lot of things and mostly my, my life started really committed to a music career. Um, I always loved technology since I'm, I'm five years old. I mean, I had a Commodore 64 that I used to, you know, toy around with and, nice. and 2,400 VPS modems. And, you know, I, I loved all that since I was a little kid. So it was always something I loved. Uh, professionally, I got into that in my mid to late 20s, um, starting um, software companies, agent, uh, social media, digital marketing agencies, web development agencies, things like this. And so that... That started uh, in my mid to late 20s, uh, and that's what I was doing. I still make music. I love making music. I definitely wouldn't consider it my profession uh, these days. I'm not touring. I'm not, you know, I release music, but um, it's, it's really labor of love at this point, and I work with other artists. But, but my main profession and career is, is focused around technology uh, for the last, let's say, 15 years. And, um, and yeah, I... I Again, from social media, digital marketing agency, web development kind of agency world to uh, software development is kind of where I've, where I've ventured in. And I just really love emerging technologies. I, le- I love new spaces uh, because there's so much opportunity and, it's, and people, there are no experts and it's more about figuring it out. And I, I like figuring it out. I'm going to condense all of what I just said into one sentence, which is I like figuring it out. And that, that lends itself to music, entrepreneurship and and technology you know yeah that that, that oh go ahead john 
Sorry. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Like, it's really cool. It makes sense that all those things come together, especially in the NFT world where you're able to bring this creativity and technology and this entrepreneurial new venture ideology behind everything and bring out these, these new iterations. It's really cool. Uh, how did totally. you get started specifically in this like Web3 web NFT crypto space? Uh, well, Web3 and NFT definitely are very separate in time from me getting involved in crypto. I got involved in crypto quite early. Um, I think I've, I, I've been misquoting because I thought that I had gotten into Bitcoin uh, in like 2013 or 14. Ooh, but I, wow. I actually searched my emails just for fun the other day and came up with what I believe is the first time I purchased my own Bitcoin. And that was 2015, January 2015. I think, though, I was gifted some Bitcoin from a friend uh, in the software space in about 2013. And so, so I had some Bitcoin, but it just sat in, a, in whatever wallet or coin, version of Coinbase was around at that point. And, um, and then, yeah, and then I, I actually have a purchase receipt from Coinbase that I found from 2000, the beginning of 2015. So I've loved crypto. Again, emerging technologies, new stuff, figuring it out. Um, and, uh, and, and so I've been part of that as a, as a personal investor and, and just really into it and followed it and not, and I've been a Bitcoin maximalist for sure, um, nice. throughout the whole thing and including 2017, 2018, 2020, 2021, my advice to anybody when they come like, Oh, this coin, this coin, I heard this could be really, I was like, look, it's all do whatever you want. But for me, it's about, it's about accumulating more Bitcoin. Like yes. in 2018, I played around with some ICOs, uh, short-term gains, and just converted the gains into Bitcoin. Like to me, that was that was the goal. And all of this is like you know, just uh, just games and, and fun. So, so that's um, that's been my philosophy, my strategy. I will say that since NFTs came along, I, I always had a little bit of Ethereum. My my portfolio was probably in 2018 was probably you know, 85, 90% Bitcoin uh, and then 5% Ethereum and maybe some Litecoin and Monero. Like I like those coins. Ah. And then I let myself do like a three to 5% of just garbage shit coin, you know, lottery tickets. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll shout out to XRP. I've been holding XRP for like five or six years. Um, <laughs> and so just waiting for that day, that, you know. Yeah, um, a CC settlement that. any day right now, right? <laughs> I'm in that boat with you. I've, I've been holding on. I remember I was buying uh, XRP. I think the first time I bought it was like in the high teens of cents. Yeah. And then dropped down to like 11 or nine. And I'm just like, what is this? It's just been kicking my teeth in the entire relationship, but I, I still like won't let go of it. It's it's just one of the early ones. So it's like almost a nostalgia yeah. thing for me. You totally. must have. You must have been in, in Bitcoin, if it was 2015, that, that was still when it's below a grand, right? If, if I remember uh, correctly. So the receipt, it was uh, $234 of Bitcoin. Oh, oof. freaking awesome. It was, it was I, I went in, I said, like I said, my friend gave me a little bit as like a, literally to pay me back for buying pizza for him and his wife. <laughs> <laughs> very, very appropriate. So great. I, I bought dinner in Costa Rica, one of my best friends my whole life her and her husband and her kids. I was there visiting. I used to be there a lot for one of my software companies and I would visit them and uh, I bought them dinner and her husband was like, oh, let me pay you back for dinner. I was like, no, that's great. You know, I was like, what, I buy like a couple of pizzas or something. It was nothing. I, I probably spent 20 bucks. And he was like, he sent me some Bitcoin instead. It's like, all right, here, I'm going to pay you back in Bitcoin. I was like, okay, what's Bitcoin? I had no idea. And then uh, it just sat. And I think it was like a year later 
where I started to notice it, it had gone to 900 and then it crashed to like mm -hmm. 200, 225. And when I saw that crash, but it didn't go to zero, I was like, yeah, let me, let me jump in, you know? And I think I spent 500 bucks. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was, that was my crypto experience. So I forgot where we were, but I was talking about, uh, you know, the spread of things. Oh, what I was going to say is obviously since NFTs came along in my life and in general, um, Ethereum has made its way uh, in competing with Bitcoin in, in the, you know, the, the spread, um, which I really didn't like. Like I was looking at it a lot and I was like, you know, because when you're buying and you're selling or you're launching your own project, you know, a lot of what you're accumulating in, in gains is, is all in Ethereum. So all of a sudden I, you know, and so uh, I did take a chunk and convert it to Bitcoin and it felt great and it's up and Bitcoin is way is up on Ethereum since I did that. So I feel good about it. Um, I just think, you know, I just have always felt, sorry, that's a little cap. I'm just going to take that off so it doesn't fall again. I've just always felt that, uh, you know, I mean, not that obviously this is not my thought, but I've just felt really good that Bitcoin is, is the, is the sure or the surest bet in the whole space. And we'll see what everybody else does. And obviously, Ethereum has, has claimed at stake, especially with NFTs. But who knows? I mean, maybe they can't ever fix the gas problem. And one day they're like, screw this, Polygon. You know, like, I, yeah. I, I could see that happening. I, but right now, I'm only launching projects on Ethereum. <laughs> I really only... Sorry, one second. Bodhi, come here. Come here. Oh, I met, uh, met Bodhi the, uh, the other night at the gallery. He's the, uh, yep. the, the mascot, <laughs> the uh, unofficial mascot of the Glenwood oh, awesome. Walls. Yeah, Bodie Skywalker. Um, yeah, so um, oh, I'm only really building projects on Ethereum. I'm really mostly only buying projects that are on Ethereum. So I still believe in the, the same way I looked at Bitcoin back then. It's like I believe in, in blue chips. I'm the same way with stocks. And by the way, I never buy stocks and I'm never in the stock market. I know nothing about it. But like 10 times in my life, I've been like, I'm going to buy that stock. You know, it's I'm not like, a, oh, it's a penny stock. It might be worth a million dollars. Like I'm not into long shots like that. I, I really like blue chip situations that, you know, and my stock portfolio is Apple, Tesla, Discovery Channel, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's things, companies I love and believe in, but it's companies I don't think are going away. And, uh, and that's how I feel about Bitcoin. And now I'm starting to feel that way about, you know, Ethereum, obviously, but um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. I'm just going to yeah. keep talking until you cut me off. So just well, well, something you, there, Casey. you mentioned <laughs> something that, that I think is interesting because my, I, I got in, I remember in like 2000, 2013, maybe 13, oh. it was 13. I didn't get in at 13. No, I was told oh. to get in by a very intelligent guy oh. who ironically at the time he was in prison, but he was, he's a very uh, successful and intelligent guy is uh, prison for uh, selling. Remember when they had the like gas station uh, legalized like THC, like J J I think the strain was JWH 018 or something like that. Yeah, he was I've in prison for that, but really smart guy. He like, he wins everything he does with business, but he had a few years in prison. He sent word to his sister, buy this Bitcoin stuff. I'm hearing about it in prison, like just buy it. And wow. I remember at the time it was like 400 bucks. And I looked into it with my, my business partner at the time. I was like, that's it it's too much. Like, that's nuts. He's like, Oh, let's get a bunch of miners. We'll set up this one room in our, in our call center. We're like, we'll set up this room, a bunch of miners. And I was like, it's too much. A few years later, obviously it, it was a proven thing by then. So in 2016, I got in and my, my gateway crypto was Ethereum. 
And I thought Ethereum was king and the groups I was in were pro Ethereum. And it was only recently I read the book, The Bitcoin Standard, and that completely shifted my entire perspective where Bitcoin is gold. Everything else yeah. is a vehicle for you to be able to buy more gold. But gold is the thing. A good example or a good analogy that I heard is Bitcoin is the farm. It's not meant to be used in transactions. You're not supposed to use your, your family farm to buy a latte, but you get a loan against the farm. You never sell the farm. You just hold on to the farm. You pass it to your kids and you just you grow the farm and you expand the farm. Yeah, it's a good good analogy. I, mean, I think gold says it all. I mean, that, what you just said uh, applies directly to gold as well. It's like, you're not gonna go into Starbucks with your, you know, and, and shave off a piece of the gold bar that you have at home, right? Um, and, and you're not gonna sell your, it's, it's a store of wealth and a store yes. of value. You're not going to sell one share of, of Tesla because you want to buy something that costs, you know, an X amount of dollars, whatever Tesla's at today. Um, and so you, you want to, but if you want, if you need something, you may cash in some of your shares. You may, yeah, you may borrow against it, all those kind of things. So that's how I feel too. You know, to me, the math of it is just, you know, it, look, it's, there's two things I always look at, which is agreement and scarcity, right? That, that's what makes money, right? Uh, when Native Americans used seashells and things that you could find all over the ground, they had the agreement part, but what they lacked was the scarcity, right? Yeah. Because it's like, okay, we agree this is worth something, so we're going to trade it. But then you know, eventually someone's going to point over there and go, but there's a million more of them washing up from the ocean, so it, it's a problem here, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have scarcity and agreement, you know, so then gold obviously is, well, we're all going to agree this is worth something. And it's, there's, it's scarce. It's not finite. I mean, it probably is finite, but we don't know that amount. Somebody could discover half a trillion dollars in gold tomorrow in a mountain, in a cave and say, oh, this, this is here. You know, now there's more gold in the world, right? I think something like 11 trillion in gold. There could be 12 trillion in a year from now. We don't know, right? Could, they're, could never gonna find, they're never going to find more Bitcoin. They're never going right. to, they're, yeah. they're not going to mine Bitcoin from asteroids in the future. There's an infinitely finite right. amount. There's only less of it because of lost hard drives and someone's sending it to the wrong wallet and X, Y, Z. I'm curious how a Bitcoin maximalist, because I've got a friend who is like, he doesn't want to talk about anything but Bitcoin. He's like, everything else trends to zero. How'd you go from I don't, that? I don't agree with that, but yeah. How'd you well? How'd you go from that perspective to you're a board ape to now being the in the mastermind behind a very successful NFT project? What was your your gateway NFT? Was it right into board apes, or did you play around with something else first? It was uh, no, it was the apes. It was my first NFT. Oh wow! Um, well, I'll shout out my buddy Vic Sharma, is the founder of Cake Wallet, the Monero Wallet. Uh, he gifted me my first NFT. It's absolutely worthless, but I love it. <laughs> and um, it's this little Buddha guy. And uh, it was perfect for me. And um, I've used the name Digital Buddhist for, for 15 years or longer before NFTs. It became a perfect moniker in the NFT space and Web3 space for me. But I've used it kind of peripherally. But he gave me this little Buddha one. I forget what they're even called, the collection. Um, worth nothing to anybody else, but worth a lot to me. But as I dug in, and then, you know, I, I spent a couple hundred dollars just to learn the transactions. I bought one of those Time Magazine, uh, Time Pieces ones. I like those. And yeah, I bought a couple of things for a couple hundred dollars. And I was like, look, if this goes to zero, I like having this digital art and I'll be okay with it. And I'm learning. But then it was like time to like, okay, which project am I going to get into? And I'm looking at apes and I'm like, well, this is, you know, I'm a blue chip person. I'm a, that's 
this is the blue chip. You know, I, I was in October, I think, late October. And um, it was like a week or so before Ape Fest, before Jimmy Fallon, before. And I'm not claiming any credit. I'm claiming absolute stupid, dumb luck on this. And and a little bit of, and not even just dumb luck, like just, I have stepped in shit a lot in my life. And I don't know why that's a phrase for meaning good things, but I, I tend to have some good timing and I've been really blessed with that. And dude, I bought an ape and like, I think it was actually like three days later. I think I bought it on Thursday or Friday. And then Monday was like Ape Fest, New York. I had never even heard of it, but I didn't know it was coming. And then it was like that night, Jimmy Fallon on his, on the Tonight Show talking about MoonPay buying him, you know, helping him buy a, a board ape. And, and then the Universal Music Publishing Group deal with four apes and then the Rolling Stone magazine covers. That all happened within like 48 hours, all those things. And that, <laughs> that 48 hours was three days after That's I bought wild. my ape. So you kind of get like uh, a little hooked when that, <laughs> yeah. right? You're like, I'm going to yeah. try this. But I will, what I will give myself credit for is I, I it was not inexpensive. I, did, I was not that early to apes, but it was, you know, so it wasn't like, it wasn't an insignificant amount of money at all, considering I didn't really have much ETH. I mean, I had some ETH, but I wasn't a big ETH collector. And um, so I, what I'll give myself credit for is I made the decision to say, I'm willing to lose this money right now to learn what NFTs are all about and go to yeah. school. I'm going to go to school real quick. I'm going to get a hardcore education. It's either going to be how to lose $16,000 in Ethereum in, in a day or, or how to, <laughs> how to become, ride a very successful project. Fortunately, it was the latter. And, you know, I was in it for ETH. On, on apes. So yeah, that was, that's what I did. And, um, and then I was hooked and then I really saw, I didn't look at NFTs for a year. I knew about them. I was in crypto. I knew all about them. I, it didn't, I couldn't get my head around it. I'm a big, the big reason I like Bitcoin is the, is the finite nature. NFTs are of course infinite and duplicatable in every possible way. Um, it wasn't until I saw what Board Ape was doing. Oh, IP. Oh, membership access, utility. Like I hadn't heard any of these terms until I looked at Board Ape Yacht Club. Once I saw that, it was, it was a couple of days before I was like, I want to be in this industry. I'm going to pivot into this industry. And, um, and then it was like a day later, I was actually in the middle of a meditation. And uh, I do transcendental meditation twice a day for 20 minutes each, each sitting. And I was sitting there one afternoon and literally like the name Peter Tunney, who's one of my closest friends and mentors for 20 years, just popped into my mind and I was like, oh my God. I'm like, this, this guy is the poster child for doing an NFT. He runs the Windward Walls. He curates all these other artist collections. He's an amazing artist. He has a massive following. The greatest guy in the world. He's brilliant. He's the best salesman I've ever met in my life. He's just every reason that you would want access and utility to an artist's NFT. And so I just, I spent for the first time ever in our 20 year relationship, I spent like two weeks building a deck before I even mentioned the idea to him. <laughs> Typically I would pick up the phone and be like, dude, I got an idea, you know? Yeah. I was like, this is important. This is big. And I knew I had to like dig something big out of the ground. I put together a whole bunch of slides. I called his assistant Bianca on the slide. I was like, dude, don't say anything yet. I, this is what I'm thinking. Give me ideas, give me thoughts. And she was super helpful. And then I sat down and presented it to him. And uh, you know, to his credit, the genius that he is, he looked at the deck and was like, Dude, I got to do this like right now. You know, the deck was literally like, what is an NFT? Who are the bored apes? Why Peter Tunney? <laughs> it took them seven minutes to see the entire six months ahead of us, which has come to fruition. And he knew everything we were going to do. And it was just like, yeah, let's go. And the next day we were just, we were going. We were like, let's go. We started. Dude, that's awesome. 
And so you put that pitch together. And even if he didn't need that whole pitch, it's still nice seeing that you put that much work into it, right? Like you identify that. I'm sure he looked at it like, all right, uh, Blake's thought through this. He's put some thought behind it. He's done some effort. This isn't just like a shoot from the hip idea. He actually has I was so there. excited. <laughs> I, I had not been excited about an idea like this in 10 years. I started a software company called Talkers in 2011. And this was the first time I had been that excited. And that was the first time I'd been as excited as I was when I started, you know, when I became a singer songwriter yeah. at 13, 12 years old. So um, I, I felt that way. I was so excited. And I think I said to him in the midst of sitting there with him in his gallery, when he looked as excited as I was and saw it all, got I it. looked and I, I said, I think I said the sentence like, dude, 18 years, have I ever put a deck together for you? <laughs> ever built you a deck? Like I built a lot of decks for a lot of people and investors and company ideas and whatever yeah. consulting clients. I have never done that. I was like, dude, I, I built you a deck. Like this, I, I'm, I'm really, and he, he saw it and yeah, it was just, it was so, so exciting. So, and it's been wonderful. It's been, but it's been uh, an experience of a lifetime for me. Awesome. So, so, so you, you got that deck through, you got him signing off on it. Then like soup to nuts. What did it look like from that getting that sign off to actually getting this thing together, getting it off the ground? Did you follow your roadmap and your game plan or how much did you sway off of that? What did just that look like that whole process? It was just figuring it out in real time. You know, again, that's what I love about emerging technologies and nascent industries and spaces in general is that you have to figure it out in real time. People haven't done it yet. My yeah. first tech company was an IT company uh, specializing in Apple uh, networks, Mac-based mm -hmm. networks. I worked for Apple for, for a couple of years and I left. And um, as I was no longer really like focused on, I don't want to say focused on, but as I was in my late 20s and I wasn't going to continue to be a, you know, go on tour and be a musician full time, I, I worked for Apple for a couple of years and because uh, I love tech. Uh, and then it was like, uh, sorry, I got off point. Oh, so I left Apple to start an Apple technology, like IT company, and focused on working with music studios, video houses, PR companies, specifically art galleries like Peter Tunney's, um, and because that's who wants Macs. But none of them knew, none of the IT companies knew how to take Mac minis and turn them into these shared you know, servers and workstations and make these like terminal like experiences for 20 employees across multiple locations. If you did that, you were going Dell, right? And I would step yeah. in the door first day. I was like, dude, you probably want to go PC, but if you really, really don't, I I'm the person who could figure out. And so it was all, <laughs> it was all critical thinking. It was all, again, going back to the sentence of, I like to figure it out. I might actually start using that as somewhere like on my business card or something, but not that I have a business card, but I, I think <laughs> like, yeah. I think like that's that's where it is for me is like figuring it out and um, and and that's what it was with NFTs and so every day from the day we started it was just a lot of figuring it out and then uh, and then once we figured it out it became a lot of work too but I wouldn't call it work it was just you know it's been the best time ever yeah when you get into uh, I, I've, I've, a very different but same similar kind of mixture of bunch of different hats a lot of startups i haven't ever had a real job or like a salary i don't know what benefits or any of that kind of security is like and i dig the make it up as you go and when you get behind a project that you just love it's not it doesn't feel like work you get in those flow states it's 4 a.m you're like being dragged to bed because it, you're working ridiculous hours but it's like it's like playing it's it's i, I totally get that it's like a video game i kept saying i'm like i feel like i'm playing a video game i'm like yeah. 
what do we do next? How do I beat the, the next boss? How do the I boss? Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a massive uh, Zelda fan here. The link is on my desk. Um, nice. You know, so uh, yeah, it's just, I, I always, I think Zelda is like one of the best preps for life there is, especially as an entrepreneur. You just, how do I do this? I got to go back and try it again. I got to figure my way through this, this maze. And, um, and then even like, you know, when you're playing a video game, you may ask a friend, you guys are both playing the game. You compare notes. How, did you get past this? That was so tough. That's going to be hard. That's how I look at like associates, guys like us, mentors, people like Peter have been to me. Like, you know, just how do I, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to have to figure it out myself. But if you have any clues, you know, like you might, yeah. you might read a Reddit or something if you're trying to make your way through it. And um, yeah, I, I think uh, my IT company, I used to say to my dad all the time, um, you know, I basically get paid to show up in Google. Like that's what I, I, I show up and then they tell me what their problem is. And then I go find out how from other people who have resolved that problem because it's happened more than once. And I Google it and, you know, you Google it. And then after you do it once or twice, then you don't need, then you build it as your library of shit you know how to fix. But for, for the first couple of years, I was just showing up and, and Googling things. And yeah. it's like, but I also, I think I discounted or, you know, you have imposter syndrome. You, you forget that other people can't Google stuff as good as you can and also can't apply what they're reading or understand what they're, you know, or have like an interest in doing it at all. Not necessarily can't, but don't want to at all. Where I always found it was fun. I was, when I was a kid, I looked at the TV and like, I remember all the time, every, every day I looked at the TV, half of my, half of my mind was watching the show. Half of my mind was trying to figure out like how this image was being shot somewhere and then broadcasted into my living room and like, what's going on in there? You know, like what's, what's going on behind it? When I was a kid, you know, TV was a giant wooden box that weighed 200 pounds on a swivel. And I just wanted to know like what was going on in there, you know? Yeah. Always, yeah. always picking it out and trying to figure out, you know, the mechanics and how things work. That's uh, the same fascination that I think draws a lot of entrepreneurs to crypto and NFT and any, everything blockchain. Uh, what was, so you, you've, you've closed Peter on the idea. What were the next steps? Did you start building the community? Did you leverage his existing following to bring them into discord? Like, how did you, how'd you go from Peter's giving you the thumbs up to the mint because you're, you're mint. I mean, you guys, you guys sold out and that's something that not, am I, am I correct? You guys completely sold out on the tiny money. And that's, I know that's not something that a lot of NFT projects can say. So you're, we did. So, so we, um, Peter and I minted some ourselves as well. Um, but we did, we did mint quite a significant portion of the collection to, to strangers and to his, um, his existing collector base. Just to go back to a few things you said, did we leverage his existing collector base? Absolutely. Super, super important. I mean, working with, you know, uh, something I was very aware of from the beginning was I'm going to be really good at building an NFT project. I like gamification. I'm a product person. I'm good with technology. I want to build a team. I felt super confident about all that. However, I'm very aware that having the IP and the blessing and the, the promotion and support of someone who is an established artist is like, you know, irreplaceable, you know, and I, I could have done this with a hundred other artists that are not known or don't have any following and just not been successful at all. You know, it's just, there's so much noise out there. Yeah. Uh, the, the value of breaking through the noise, the value of, someone like PT uh, to break through the noise is, you know, is it can't be um, calculated, let alone, let alone, you know, underestimated. Um, so yeah, we started, uh, you know, you'd said an interesting sentence. Did you, did you access his existing following and, and get them onto the discord? 
Definitely not. Um, and just I'm talking about the last part of the sentence. Get them onto the Discord. Yeah, these guys are not getting. Uh, these guys and girls are not getting. If you're not on it already, it's it's a it's a very friction filled transition to get people to make. They're like, "What's Discord?" It's like, "Oh, this is going to be fun." I'm yeah. gonna say I'm gonna say something that might be controversial on your show. I don't know, you know, but uh, I I'm gonna try. I, I was trying to think of a nice say, way it. To say it. No, no, get it out there. To. I fucking hate Discord. I we, think we have a we have I an episode think, where we critique it pretty hard. I think the value of Discord is so minuscule compared to the effort, heartache, uh, customer support that you apparently owe to strangers who are not even collecting your project or not even your customers. Like the the you know the people who are collecting, they're you know they're great, they're wonderful. The people who aren't collecting are there to like. You know, let me, you, you know, it's like I owe them a thousand answers a day. And by the way, they want me to do that instead of spending time building, you know, helping PT launch a physical gallery that's backing our NFT project that has 5,000 people a day walking through Wynwood through a physical gallery that has QR codes on the wall that goes right to our OpenSea. Like if you're an owner of our NFT project, do you want me working on that? Or do you want me to get into the Discord every day and make you feel good about your project? Like, and I, I very quickly... I think I did a good job at, and I'm not always so good at this, but I did a good job at not taking any of it personally, not, you know, losing my cool and just kind of over and over again saying like, guys, I am not saying we don't need you. I'm not saying we're ungrateful. We love you. We're happy you're here, but I want to set expectations. We're not going to be here trying to sell you on this NFT. Like we're, we're not, we're going to go build real shit for the next 12 months and it's going to be an awesome ride. Peter's a proven guy, obviously in a million different ways. Google me. I'm a pretty, you know, proven enough to know that I'm not going to rug you. I put my name on this thing. Like it's not, you know, so we're not here for a quick buck. Peter, obviously, I mean, you know, his reputation is, is worth a hundred NFT projects. So he's not, you know, in 30 years, it's just, so other than that, it's like, look, you should have trust in our integrity. It's already proven. And I'm not saying you should either you do or you don't, but I'm not going to spend much time. You're trying to convince you, you should like, I'm not interested. And if the floor goes down, it's going to be a really great opportunity for some people who come along and buy at that really inexpensive floor. And I might buy some more, you know, and I might tell my friends that they should probably buy some more and they have, you know, so like how oh, the floor is going down. Yeah. People, you know, they lose a little faith for a week and then we launch this thing and it goes back up. I it just, uh, discord is, is a, is a nasty place. And, um, I just don't see, you know, the only, the only reason I think discord is gets a lot of exposure. And the only where, the only place I do see it working Aside from I'll give the board apes like a pass. When I first got into NFTs, I spent every day and night in there and I made some friends, you know, mm -hmm. um, full transparency. I'm not selling my board, my ape. Every, and by the way, I have a mutant ape. I don't want to misrepresent. I don't have a board, ape. but I'm not selling my ape uh, any, anytime soon or maybe ever. And the airdrop of the token of the ape tokens that paid for my ape. I mean, they're just an unbelievable. They are crushing it. I love everything about them. I will say I didn't get much support from the board ape discord when I launched my own project and I was kind of surprised really? and a little disappointed. And I had yeah. made friends with a lot of people. I made friends with three of the mods, one of which I talked to on a regular basis and he's a great guy and I'm not complaining about them. They helped me. I DM them. They're super awesome. They, they root me on. I've asked one of the mods questions when I'm building, you know, when we're building out the contract and building our discord, he's given me responses. Um, I've not, I don't know that many of them other than the ones that knew me personally or knew Peter that happened to also be apes. Um, we didn't really get much traction from me being in there. And that was like, well, you know, what am I, what is this community? If not, you know, I'm starting my own company. 
I've supported this company for a long time. I'm a shareholder here. You know, in startup world, that would mean you would check out my project, probably mint one or two. They're not that expensive. Um, so yeah, I just, Discord just seems to be this place that the only place I think it's, the only projects I think are truly helped by Discord are the ones that don't have that much else to offer in real yeah. value. It's like, if you want to start a Discord and there are experts out there, they're like, we'll get the games up and we'll get people talking and we'll get, you know, you invite this many people to get on the whitelist. It's like, yeah, you could use Discord like that. We have no interest from day one. Peter has no interest. I have no interest in how do we get people to invite their friends? It's like, no. PT, the first day I was like, dude, like, you have to apply to get invited. Like, to, you know, like, you have to, <laughs> it's, this is Peter's yeah. gallery in New York is appointment only. There's no, there's no coupon that says invite two friends and get 10% off a painting. You know what I mean? It's like, that's just not where he's ever been. It's, and, and it's not how I operate either. And so, yeah, that's for us. Discord has just been like, it's just been, I wish I never did. But at the moment I keep it open because a, we have nobody who comes in with flood or hate. And we have like a bunch of, you know, collectors that hang around and they, they're friends with each other and they talk and they say good morning. But, you know, I don't see it doing much of the project, but I'm happy to come in there and whatever yeah. we put on Twitter and Instagram, I'm happy to share it with them, give them a couple of sneak previews. They're supporters. We love them. We're so grateful. And I'll keep it open for them. You know, I might ask them one day, guys, can I create you a Telegram chat that I'll be in and we'll hang out? Peter will be in it. Like, can I get rid of this Discord? Because it's really just there for them at this moment. You know, it's not but there for us at all. That that's really interesting, and it makes sense because the the Tunny Money Project, and for we kind of just jumped into this, but for anybody that's not aware, the Tunny Money Project is much more utility focused. The, the The image is his art, so you know it's wonderful art. But the utility behind it, and this is why I got involved, was this access to his network, right? Like you get to go to the gallery, you get exposed to some of these events. Like your kickoff event was awesome. And that was open to anyone that had a certain aggregate amount of the total value. And then mm -hmm. the event that you had a couple of weeks ago, which was open as the sneak peek to the gallery for the token holders. Like that's such a, a an in real life benefit. And it's a big part of the NFT and then that community. So it makes sense why Discord isn't as important. But I'm wondering, like, how do you sort of weigh that, that value it has? Or how do you like interact with the people that held it? Not so much for that in real life aspect, but because they just wanted to support it, like those New Yorkers or the international people. Because I saw them on the Discord and they're like, oh, we, we want the Poe app. We want something. Yeah. How are we doing this? Like, like, how do you deal with that? What's in your mind? When yeah, you see yeah, you're right. The Poe app was like the first time in a while where I was like, oh, I'm kind of glad I got the Discord because I can hook these guys up. And they're all over, guys and girls. And and uh, I use guys as a, as a you know, an encompassing yeah. term of both both genders. Um, but uh, yeah, I... I think um, the POAP was a good example of they were all hanging out around the world together the whole time we were at the preview event for NFT holders only for the new physical uh, gallery and which uh, Casey I saw John did we did I see you there or no 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 so I'm, I'm in Charlottesville yeah I'm up in Virginia right now so I wasn't able to make okay. it down I'd gotten married right. like a week before that and just had a pop right right so um but yeah, I, I think it was like, cool that they were all hanging out. They were texting me. I kind of opened my big mouth. One of them said, <laughs> hey, dude, if we're not if we're not in Miami, can, any chance we can get the PO app for participating and being around? And I was like, yeah, it's a great idea. I love you. you know, again, nothing but love for the people who are supporting in our Discord. Um, and so, and there are, there are a bunch, but um, I said, oh, it's a good idea. You know what? I'm going to save this many PO apps and give, you know, and I'm, I'm going to get into you tonight. I'm like running a physical <laughs> event with PT 
and and like during the event time is when everybody's in the Discord, like, hey, digital, where you know, where where are the pups? Can we get it? My link isn't working well. And I'm like, I'm, I have a QR code that I created specifically to generate a new QR code every time someone mints so that I can go around and people can scan it and I can meet everybody in person and you know. And it's made for IRL events. And then I'm trying to like screenshot the QR code, send it to one person. Literally, my first try was like, nobody else do this. Just this guy mint on this QR code. And everybody tried. And I was like, okay, guys. Like what? I was like, can I just do this at like 1030 tonight? And everybody's like, dude, we've been waiting two hours. I'm like, wow. I'm like, I'm running an event. But uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. I still, I'm very happy because at the end of the day, we had people at the gallery who didn't know what a pull-up was maybe not even that excited, didn't understand what we were giving them. In, in essence, it's a free NFT. And um, and then we had all the people on Discord dying for it. So I was kind of happy because I went through the trouble to make this really, what I think is a very nice POAP. I've seen some POAPs and they're not, very, they're not very pretty. Um, that is, uh, so so I was really excited. The guys in the Discord were more excited than anybody could get. I mean, of course, there were some people, there were some NFT heads at the gallery opening just chasing me down. Like, are you, the, do you have the POAP link? But That's probably Casey. I was one of them. I was. I, I asked like three people and they're like, Blake, Ian. I'm like, where is he? What's he look like? Who are these two guys? Two uh, guys have it? What? He's so, two yeah. guys? That's how I, that's how I, I first short, started talking wait, let me, let me, I'm going to guess the response. Short, blonde, curly hair with a dog. They, they mentioned you I'm, got, uh, your hair was pulled back and you're wearing, uh, uh, they, they pointed to, I think his name's Dave. And they're like, they're wearing, he's, he's wearing a sweater like him. And he's got his hair pulled back <laughs> like him. He's somewhere around here. So I was like, okay. And then when we were yeah. in the room, I saw you like giving your phone to some some people. I was like, "That's the po up guy. Let's get him." Yeah, yeah. Po ups, po ups will drive people crazy. There are po up hunters. Like I play around in like Decentraland and some metaverses, just trying to keep my my finger on the pulse. And there, I'm I'm one of them. There are some like avid po up collectors who will go to great lengths to get them. And then they feel so entitled to them. So that if you run out of your, sorry, I only had a mint of 500. They're like, well, this is bullshit. Like I, I showed up right. for my POAP. Where's my POAP? Go to, go mint some more POAPs for me. I, I'm entitled right. to a POAP. It's like, dude, it's right. free. Like you can't sell it. This isn't right. Adidas, but I'm glad right. I got mine. I'm very glad I got mine. Well, you know, I, I got very into POAPs recently. A friend uh, was having a dinner um, I don't know if you guys know who Nabil is, Metaphor Capital, really successful dude, really wonderful dude, humble guy for how successful he is. He's been a big supporter of Tony Money and a big help. Um, but he was having a dinner with some people and, and he invited PT and I. And so we, PT and I created the Poe app and I got into the whole platform of it. And I just kind of fell in love with it. I really, it's a brilliant model. And what I didn't realize is, yeah, the Poe app is free. It's minted on XDI chain. You can only view it in the Poe app, app or on their web app. Uh, you can't sell it. You can't transfer it. But there is a migrate button. And when you hit that yeah. migrate button, you can mint it to the ETH, you know, mainnet. And now it is on my – and, of course, you know, the, the dinner that I was at and, the uh, and of course, the gallery opening for Tony Money, those are both really important events to me and memorable. So I minted both of them, you know, because I want those on my OpenSea. I want them in my, in my Ledger wallet. And um, so, yeah, so it was worth it to me. But brilliant model by POAP to say – it's a free thing. You give it to your collectors. Everybody's happy. And then if they want to mint it, they pay us 0.1. You know, Tony doesn't get anything when people mint, mint the no. 0.1. It's a gift from us. Um, you know, I'm not sure I agree with that model, to be honest, but it's it's brilliant, you know? Like, if I did it, I think if I did pop, I would probably say, you know, mint the thing and for 0.1, and then some percentage goes to the project for bringing in and creating the whole NFT itself. But um, I don't know. Maybe it keeps it more pure because... 
I do like the fact that as Tony Money, we can say we're not making any money. Like we can truly say it is a gift. You know, I don't want to say like, oh, I'm looking for that 20%. But I think they just as a business model for them, I think they would grow quicker if they were offering projects. Some uh, royalty, some sort of royalty element built into Yeah, I, I like it because I love, again, the figuring of it out and I, I love it. And I, again, I really like saying to our collectors, it's a free gift. We're not, we're not making anything, even if you mint it through Poap. I, I prefer that, but I think Poap would grow faster if they offered that. Um, you know, little show games. I, I love them. I, I found out about them uh, not very long ago. And as soon as I found out about it, one of the things that I see it as a gate, a great gateway to NFTs, because mm. like you said, they're free to make, cost you nothing to give out. I was actually speaking with John. I was like, it would be great if, because I, I do like a lot of events with my previous businesses and a lot of the businesses I consult for is event heavy. And I love like the, uh, what do they call them? Like competition coins and challenge coins or whatever. Challenge coins, like, yeah. Challenge coins. And this is like a free, like when people do 5Ks, like I'm kind of in the health and fitness kind of uh, arena. So mm. I know people who are putting on 5Ks. Now the biggest thing to get people to show up to your 5K is what the medal looks like. You get a, you know, you get your placing medals, but then you get your, you know, participation medal and how, depending on how cool and how much you invest money into the medal, depends on how many people show up and a lot of them are allocating a hard a large portion of their budget to these these medals which you know participation medal what does it matter well i get to hang it on my wall and show my friends that i did a 5k so i saw like i was like man if they'd be cool to do giveaway nfts you got to mint them cheap enough without the gas fees and then i found po-ups and i just fell in love with them i made i was uh john's best man for his wedding that he just had on uh st patty's day actually so i made birthday. For, for the uh oh. Happy Congrats. birthday. Oh, really? Also, our our uh, close also, friend Jay is also a, a, a St. Patty's birthday. Also the day that uh, ApeCoin dropped into everybody's really? wallet. So it was a nice birthday morning for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's right. It was. Um, that's right. So uh, I went Poop crazy. Yeah, yeah no, it's uh, – I, I, I was like – I thought it was the same way with Poops. And it's funny. I've had similar conversations with some people even recently in, in recent weeks about Poops participation trophies, things that you could do – for, you know, for no cost to either the creator or the collector. Um, and there are a couple of platforms. Somebody told me about a platform called Manifold that I haven't checked out yet, but apparently okay. does a little bit more of a, like, I guess it's like a mainnet kind of thing where it's a guess only. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but um, yeah, man, it's, uh, by the way, oh, who told me that was the dude who's our social media and community, our new community and social media manager. He's, he goes as the dude. Uh, uh, you've probably seen him in the Discord. Yeah. Um, Two things you said. Uh, one, you said 5K, and, and I gotta I gotta show you this right here because this is the original oh, yeah. 5K block that uh, so you can see how the three oh, long yeah. shot. So that this is, that is pretty awesome. This is this is a significant thing. <laughs> so this right here, yeah, this is is a, is a real very real thing. Right, um, and it says this is not this is this note is illegal tender for any and all debts. Um, this right here is like twenty three karat gold inlay and all this amazing stuff. So, uh, let me just put this back down. That's legit. Yeah. I, I saw I saw that in the photos in the bank channel on the Tony Money Discord. I was uh, yeah. So that's that's the actual. You know, to, to talk about the evolution of the project, because I feel like I haven't really answered that question. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit tangential sometimes. But the, the evolution the of, there's, 
Yeah, there's the evolution of the project and there's the evolution of Tony Money. Evolution of Tony Money starts 2007 um, when PT, although we're launching our new website, by the way, I, I'm hoping it's going to be tomorrow, if not definitely this weekend, um, our full site. Congrats. It's big. It's always big. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited for it. Um, but you'll see in our roadmap, I guess the, the, the Tony Money really starts uh, December 25th, 1966, when Peter Tunney was five years old and received a uh, a magic trick of how to make your own money. Then we move to 2007, where he um, he writes on a wooden block $100 genuine tunny money, dates it, and hands it to I think Cipriani's to pay for his meal, um, and they and they accept it. <laughs> um, and you know that that's like the first tunny money. That's 2007. By the way, about a month into I got a this tangent is important. About a month into creating this Tony Money project with Peter, I'm walking the gallery and I look down and I see that wooden block and I've never seen it before. And I go, what is that? Is that the first piece of Tony Money? Bianca, who runs Peter's World in Miami, uh, goes, yeah, yeah, this is, this is when he first, she tells me the story. And I go, what year was this? I look on the side and it's 2007 and the date is March 17th, 2007. Oh so the God. first block of Tony Money ever was created on my birthday which is just insane. Just More evidence moment. that this is all a simulation. This is all- Oh, yeah. We're all, Total- <laughs> We're all playing so they're a game. Making, they're, they're making it too obvious. When they put my yeah. birthday on the first block of Tiny Money, they make it, they're making it too obvious. They're tipping their hand there. Yeah, but, I start um, saying like the writers are getting sloppy. When I see stuff like that, I'm like, okay, come on. Too, too yeah, serendipitous. It's like, it's like a fucking Hallmark movie. Come on. This is very lazy writing. Um, and I, I do that- want to interject and say- if you're in the Miami area, you got to check out the gallery because one thing that is unique about this project is it also has a physical space to it, which is very like, I don't know of any other projects that have that. They talk about buying a space in Decentraland or Ty Lopez is going to buy up some hotels with his NFT project, but you can go there. And I saw the block of wood that you're talking about and the little uh, magic trick is also yeah. on display there. And there's a great, I'm not going to go into the details of uh, uh, Peter's TED Talk or the video that you guys have that's on the website and playing in the gallery, but the story behind this stuff is great. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very full circle kind of uh, kind of situation, but continue. I'm, I'm sorry. I just wanted to, if anybody's in the Miami no, area, Winwood Walls, it's, 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 a, it's it, a landmark. Yeah, you're exactly right. It is full circle. And to hear Peter t- tell the story that unfolded right in front of me, and I wasn't fully aware of it until he told me the story and started telling other people's story, which is, you know, he started making tiny money, 2007 prototype, 2009 is when he made, he started making these, you know, real pieces, uh, did that from 2009 to 2015, I believe he distributed $1 million in tiny money in $5,000 increment blocks. Some are 10,000, some are 25,000. There are some larger blocks, very, very few. Um, but, uh, so he did that. Then we do the NFT. Excuse me. Then we do the NFT based on the, the physical blocks and some works on paper that he did. And then while we're doing the NFT, he starts painting. And for, for like 60, 90 days, all I saw him doing was creating money in his gallery, in his studio. And uh, now he's got these massive, what he calls big money, and they're works on canvas, which he had never done before for tiny money. So it was like, woodblock prototype to actual woodblocks, you know, kind of sculpture piece to, you know, works on paper to NFT based on all that to paintings, massive paintings 
based on NFT, you know? That's and so, so cool. that's, that's a full circle. Yeah. And that's what's showcased in this sort of history of Tony Money exhibition uh, at the Wimmer Walls that Casey's talking about. And you should definitely check it out. So that's the evolution of, of Tony Money. The project itself, I think something key to mention that was also very different for us uh, than other projects is we, we spent a lot of time, a lot of time in focusing on onboarding the most important people and factors in Peter Tunney's entire career, which are his clients and collectors. Um, you know, that was his day one and day two, three. Siri just talked to you. It's the CIA. Siri. You know, you're on to him. The simulation we're yeah. in. What? It, it's probably the, uh, what is it? The Secret Service. You know, Secret Service, their original job was counterfeit. And then after Lincoln, I think that's when they started picking up protecting the president. Have you guys? They were like, uh, oh yeah, they were like, oh, yeah. somebody <laughs> might, somebody might shoot the president too. We should think about it's, that. it's the Treasury Department. No, you're counterfeiting money here. That's what it is. It's actually a really good analogy for this country. Like the first thing they thought about was we got to protect the money. Mm -hmm. Then yeah. it was like an afterthought to be like, maybe we should protect the president also, the the person. These elections but, are still inconvenient. Maybe we should take that <laughs> yeah. off. It costs a lot of money to to replace the president. Exactly. Um, so. What was I just saying? So, so the, oh. the life cycle, yeah, that, that we went through to, to get to this yeah. point. Well, then I was talking about what was, what was most important to PT on day one. And he repeated this to me for like 10 days was, you know, 27 years of collectors and who he has been loyal to, have been loyal to him. They are real. Every single one of them are relationships. He knows every one of their faces and names and, you know, who's ever bought anything from him. He has sold more work at higher prices for 27 years straight. Every year his prices go up and every year he sells more art. And so these people who are supported him for decades are people who are new. He, he has relationships with every one of them and he services his clients in a way that nobody else does. And it's his number one thing, his representations to his clients and the way he services them and makes them extremely overjoyed and delighted about the experience of being a collector. That was like, again, that was like his first priority through his 10th priority was all that one thing, you know? And so what we did was we created this white glove experience pre-sale for his collectors to onboard them, not only into our project, but in most cases, onboard them into NFTs. And in some cases, many cases, onboard them into cryptocurrency. You know, what is yeah. Ethereum? What is Coinbase? What's a MetaMask wallet? Like these things that, you know, we take for granted on this show, um, people have never heard of, right? And so that whole experience was probably the most work out of the whole project, for me at least, um, was talking to his collectors who wanted in and we wanted to make sure number one is we let them in first. The last thing in the world we could do is go mint 5,000 tokens, turn around and say to his collectors, oh yeah, we did this NFT project, people love it, you should get in too. You guys jump aboard. Yeah, secondary market, like it would be like, what are you talking about, right? So, um, was that, that was the pitch? Was that the pitch early on? So when you did that presentation to him and you brought this to him, was that the value prop that you're like, hey, like let's make this a thing that we can get your existing customer base and your community? How how did that evolve then? You're shaking your head no. So so where did it sort of shift from that? I know you said from the beginning that's what he was like. No, like let's let's get my existing customers in. They're they're my family. I want to well, make sure wanna, it's about them for them. Yeah, I want to clarify one. Um, he definitely his thought wasn't let's get my existing collectors in. His thought was I need to a 
at least let my collectors know and give, give them the opportunity. opportunity. First writer refusal, right? Is what it, like, so it need, they need to be able to know about it before anybody else, because that's the access they get for being a collector for 30 yeah. years or, or five years or five days. They have that access to our NFT first, right? So there was that. And secondly, for the ones that do get in, that they are treated with the same level that they are used to from me and my gal, meaning Peter. So it's that was his yeah. first thought. My thought was there's an NFT community of people buying NFTs everywhere. And this is a really great artist with really great access. And we should ent enter into this NFT space. I have since learned, I would say, if you're going to do something with a well-known artist, the first 500 to 1,000 tokens should be minted by his collectors. Not only for loyalty, but because that's, there's so much noise. You know, you're going to, you can, if you can bring in a project, that's like, oh, we already minted 1,000 out of 5,000 and you come to the NFT space. It brings weight. You know, you, to go yeah. into the NFT space of people who have not necessarily heard of you because it's a 17-year-old kid in, you know, Japan has not necessarily heard of Peter Tunney, but he's buying NFTs every day. Um, you know, it, it's so I think we landed in a great place and we're just very fortunate. But that wasn't my plan. I, I can't take credit for saying I think his collectors are going to buy. His collectors were very interested and they were picking up 10, you know, 10 NFTs at a time. Nice. And sort of piggybacking off of that, when you – when you guys came up with this and you decided to do your mint, how did you decide on that size of the mint? I, I, this is very inside baseball, but I'm just curious because everyone's all over the place. Some are doing 10,000, 20,000. Some are doing a couple hundred. How did you guys hone in on the actual size you ended up landing on? Um, we started with 10,000 just because that's what everybody was doing, right? It's like, oh, you do an NFT project? You mint 10,000 or something. Yeah. Um, I started to feel like, you know, I'd like to do something that's a win first before yeah. you know if i hit a home run uh i can hit a grand slam next right mm -hmm. if i swing for whatever or maybe it's a bad example if i hit a base if i hit a single i'm not I'm you're not on base I have, no, yeah, you... I have no idea what the fuck i'm talking about but <laughs> if i hit a single right i'm on base and i'm in the game and i'm, I'm you know and, and i've yeah. done something i've accomplished something i could swing for a home run on my first try you know, odds are, as, I, as I'm going to impress myself with my sports knowledge, the people who hit the most home runs are also the people with the highest strikeouts, right? I, I believe that's uh, a thing. That so, sounds like a thing. And that's, that that's how I live my life usually, is swing for the fences and be willing to strike out. But here I was not willing to strike out with Peter Tunney's first NFT. My relationship with Peter was too, too important. His reputation was too important. I wanted to do something that I felt we could do. Hindsight, right now, I speak to people about their projects. I think this, the sweet spot is 2,500. I don't think anybody should ever try to mint 10,000 of anything. I don't care who you are. And I don't think probably you shouldn't even try to mint 5,000. I think if you mint 2,500 and you mint out, you're a massive success. You could probably do it very, very quickly in like a couple of days if you, with the right traction, the right artists and people. And then you know what? You know what you could do after that? You can mint another 7,500 or whatever, exactly. whatever you want, right? But what exactly. you've done is you put a win on the table. But if you go for, for, for 10,000 and you mint... 6,500, which is an incredible feat in this world. But if you go for 10,000, you've been 6,500 and you burn 3,500. It's, it's just what's a better story that or I minted 2,500 in, in 45 minutes. Like, yeah. you know, and now people will buy anything. I agree completely. From yep. So that, that's right. I think the number is 2,500. I think we overshot a little. I'm very, very glad we went for five instead of 10. Something in me, I think, I think I'll take, you know, uh, it was probably me who made that decision, but something in me said, why, why are we swinging for 10,000? Let's, let's close 5,000, you know, and uh, hindsight, I would say 2,500 is the perfect number. 
what are the what are the other things that you guys have along your uh, your road wrap, roadmap? I know one of the major advantages, as I mentioned before, the differentiator of having a physical uh, space where you can host events and have people come by, press the fret, uh, press the flesh, IRL, as the kids would say. Right. Um, what else? To, what else do you guys have up your sleeve? Are you able to disclose any of that stuff, or we have to wait for the roadmap? Um. Well, you're going to see the roadmap this weekend on the site, and some of it's going to have lots of question marks next to the title of the item. Um, one item is going to say the bank, and that's all I'm going to tell you about that. I like it. I noticed um, that the, the chat, the main chat on Discord. Yeah, we're not mysterious. talking about that bank, but we're talking yeah, about the bank, and uh, okay. it's going to be pretty, pretty amazing. It's going to be very, very PT. The, um, the money heist. The money heist is something we've talked about for a while. That is on the the roadmap. Uh, again, not really going to able to fill in the blanks on that at this moment, but it's going to be just a PT Winwood and global online experience. Um, oh, that's cool. And uh, that's going to be exciting. And then something that, you know, I'm not sure if people, you know, have really gotten, and I've, I've put some of this into the site for sure, is the real utility. Yes, there's the access and community for sure. And the access and community of Winwood Walls and Peter Tunney's world and his people is, is just unreal. Um, it's amazing. And so, but in, in addition, real utility in the NFT space, this mint was of these tiny money blocks, these 5,000 through 100,000 gold bars that are super rare. Um, it's about accumulating money, right? So it's about, there'll be a balance checker on the new site. You'll click check your balance, put in your MetaMask address. It'll go, it'll say this wallet has 15 tiny money tokens, has five green worth 25K total, has two blues worth 50K total, has one gold, 100K. That is a total of $150,000 in tiny money or whatever I said. And, you know, that, that's what's in your wallet. The accumulative total of your tiny money. And by the way, one green block of 5K tiny money makes you a member of the, you know, of the tiny money collectors. And you will have access to the parties and you will be on the whitelist for the mints and the drops. And you'll be able to claim the tokens like Gift of Gratitude, which I'm sure you guys know about, um, which is our, our forthcoming drop. Um, you know, you'll have all of that. But where the accumulation comes in is, let's just say there is a scavenger hunt component to something like the money heist, hypothetically, let's just say, right? And um, you're on clue number two and it's really hard and everybody's stuck on clue number two. And the first person who gets to the 15 clues completed is gonna win some amazing thing, right? So when you're on clue number two and you're stuck, it might say next to clue number two, you can buy the answer to clue number two for $100,000 in tiny money in your wallet, not burn your NFTs, obviously, but just because you're at that level, you may be able to. So there's certain little gamification benefits of that. Um, and then in the in the real the real utility that I see in tiny money above all is uh, the ability to become sort of like an art dealer within our network. And so when we do drops of Peters or within the tiny money, you know, kind of collection or even just potential partnerships with other artists that we work with. Um, when we go to mint, they won't be mint. They won't be mintable by the public. There will only be a token detection mint that says connect your wallet that has at least one tiny money token in it, and you can mint this this coin. Um, otherwise, you know, good luck to you on the secondary market on OpenSea. And so what happens there is tiny money holders become our network of galleries and dealers, our art dealers. And so everybody has to if they want a Peter Tunney original one of one PFP drop that we're going to do that's amazing and sick, they're going to have to um buy it from one of you who holds tiny money that's the only place they can get it go see our you know 
800 dealers worldwide and uh, they may sell one to you or they may not. They may not be selling any of them, but yeah. you guys will hold the keys to, to that network. And, and that's really the ultimate vision I see because then as we move into metaverse art galleries and real VR stuff in the, in the future, and I, I don't think that that's so soon, generally speaking, in, in the whole world, in the whole metaverse world. But as that comes about and we start to see these art galleries and these windward walls of the metaverse, uh, when you walk through those galleries in VR and see something beautiful that you love and you want to mint it, it's going to you know, ask you if you have plenty money to mint it. If not, you may have to just see if somebody's selling theirs, you know, um, secondhand. Yeah, we're, we're big utility people and, and just thinking beyond what the existing roadmap is and trying to figure out different uses and way to advance it and get everyone involved. It's so cool. There's so many opportunities. And like you're saying there, hypothetically, a lot of that stuff. But still, just thinking through that and adding additional value to the users and the holders, giving them more opportunities, it's awesome. It's just so cool. And Casey, Casey has like his three big points on what he looks for in NFT projects. Utility is the highest, right, Casey? Yeah, utility. Uh, it's normally, and it, there are variables where there will be other items, but, and it also depends on who's doing it, but it would be utility, community, and the the brand value you could also say the team behind it um but then that comes down to whether or not they're doxxed and all sorts of other variables then you have adidas who could launch something without any announced utility and they're still going to be value to it because you know they're going to come up with airdrops and some kind of a benefit down the road but normally the, the top three i look for are you got to have at least you know two of the three boxes checked of uh, utility community and uh brand recognition which obviously Tony's got sure. The, sure. The, the brand sure. recognition. He's been doing it for a long time. Winwood Walls, I mean, for people who aren't familiar with Art Basel and the Winwood area of Miami, Winwood is like one of the meccas of art to begin with worldwide. And then Winwood Walls is like the, that's how every time I go down to Art Basel, that's where everybody, you find out that somebody is down there and that's how you coordinate where you are is your distance from that landmark of, you know, windwood walls, and you got Shepherd Ferry on the walls there. You've got uh, my my favorite my favorite uh, uh, mural there is um, uh, Ron English, the baby Hulk, mm. baby headed Hulk, the baby but Hulk. That's like there's that's, a there's a beautiful new in the GGA gallery at the end of the garden. Um, Ron has Ron English has a new baby Hulk, or at least new to me. I hadn't seen it until the other day. This red rage filled green hulk in the middle of a red raging field and it spoke to me man more than than any like maybe anything i've, I've seen in there it was so beautiful um so yeah if you get a chance Casey, when you're down there check it out i think you really dig it if you like that wall um when i got yeah. into eckhart tolle i started explaining like ego and pain body like that was my visual that i used was like mm. this 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 force that had the ability to be extremely destructive but it had the mentality that was extremely undeveloped and i was like this is what your ego is when it takes control it will drive the the bus right off the road and destroy everything in its path without thinking about these are relationships that i'm going to have to wake up to and mend tomorrow so that that piece always uh, spoke to me that uh the baby Hulk, I call it. I don't know what the official name of it is. But. You know, it's funny. I'm sure that's like, I'm sure that was in the mind of uh, the creator of, of the Hulk. Is that, is that Stan Lee? That's Marvel, right? So yeah, was, I'm assuming yeah, it's Stan I, Lee. Yeah, I think so. But I, I'm sure that was part of it because that seems quite, uh, you know, uh, now that you say it, it seems quite obvious to me that that's what it's about, right? Your ego versus your... But um, 
I want to go back to one thing you said real quick, uh, Casey, is like, it's funny. It's like, it's almost, I was going to say my number one thing, but then you kind of said it a few times, but you said it in like a way that was like a given. And I don't think it's a given to most people. I think it's a given to you and probably John and myself because I, you know, because I think we're looking at it the right way, but you were like, well, of course it depends on who's doing it. And uh, you know, it depends on if they're docs. Like to me, if somebody says, what do you look for? My number one thing is who's doing it. Who, yeah. who's, who's doing the project? Because if you invest in startups, that's all you care about. Like the person, if it's the right person, yeah. they'll figure it out. They, they might be doing something else at the end of two years that they even pitched you. But they're, what they're doing is they're going to go into this space and they're going to dive in and figure where the market is. What's the product market fit? How do I build it? Sometimes it takes eight years, but that's what, that's what you're buying into. Um, and for me, that's like everything. I won't mint an undocs project at all not even a consideration but you know it's like if you're if your icon on your website on your mint site is an app i mean if your picture in your team slide is an avatar or an ape or some other you know nft um you know no thanks like who are you what have you done you know and by the way for a 17 year old kid that's never done anything cool let me know that you got into nfts a year ago and you had the foresight to buy a board ape now you're like a millionaire at 17 you're gonna do your own project that's cool. I just want to know your name and your face. And I want to know who, who I'm investing in because who you're investing in is the most important part of any investment. And, th you know, therefore taking it off the table of who the person is, you know, look, obviously Board Ape did that at an early enough time and, and it worked out. But at this point with, you know, tens of millions of projects, uh, you know, I have to know who I'm investing in. Yeah. Um, so that's my number one, you know? Yeah. To, uh, to play a little devil's advocate, I, I completely agree for anything that involves any sort of utility because you have to know who's behind it to make sure that they're going to follow through on that. Even if it's just knowing who they are to hold them accountable or just to see their track record and know they're capable of doing something like that. The team has worked together, so you know they have experience to see it through. But if it's like a pure art play, there's absolutely no utility. I could see just, just being happy with what they're producing. But it depends I on the project. I, I, so I agree, but I'll throw these kind of things there as why it doesn't work for me still. Um, one, being honest, not that interested in collecting pure art, no utility play. I hear you. So maybe that's yeah. part of it. Um, I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm not. I, I, you know, it might be sacrilegious, but at the end of the day, if you're just collecting a digital image, well, then it's a digital image. And yes, it can be copy pasted. Sorry, I'm going to say it out loud. Yeah. And, you, you know, some people that are watching is going to hate me, but like, yeah, I can prove my ownership of that thing. But the way I look at NFTs and what excites me about NFTs is what I explain it to people is that JPEG is the most beautiful stock certificate you've ever had, right? It's, yes. not, a, it's not an ugly green piece of paper with the treasurer's you know, name signed on it. It's, it's this beautiful stock certificate. What am I buying stock into? What am I buying share of? If it's just the stock certificate, well, you know, again, like I can photocopy a stock certificate of a Tesla share. You know, it doesn't give me anything at all, yeah. right? So the provenance, and I don't know if people say provenance or provenance. I switch provenance, it every day. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Provenance, the, provenance makes more sense to me, but sometimes I say, but Proven, the yeah. provenance, the provenance of it, what are you proving if there is no thing? Like, yes, I get, of course, I understand in a technical yeah. sense, you are getting the, what you own is the token on the blockchain and what is making it non-fungible is the stamp of that artwork. Great. As an exercise, that's great. But why do I need to prove that I own that token? If there's nothing but the stamp on the token, then I can stamp my own tokens. Like I, I just, that's what I, I don't really fully get behind it. If it's not 
you know, an artist that has a passion or a vision for some nonprofit, you know, if you're an artist that's just putting stuff out there and 25% of your shit goes to a, a cause, great, then I'm, I'm, I'm in, right? But I will also add to that, John, like, I don't know if you're auditing contracts or not, but in building hours, I learned a lot from, by the way, I have to say, our CTO, Benny Hakim, who built our smart contract, I mean, when you say what, what were the steps he took, that was the, the single most, besides Peter Tunney, that was the single most important person for me to bring on to the project because not only his skill level, his talent, his brilliance, which is all off the charts, but the trust between us. When somebody is building your smart contract and building wallet situations and payment processing and how you're going to withdraw from that contract, if, you, if that's not somebody that you can say, are, the chances of this person ripping me off is absolute zero, which it is with Benny for me then, you know, I don't know, maybe you're going to go crush it and make $5 million and turn around and all of your people's NFTs are worth zero and you don't have any money and you have to make good on them. And, you know, your reputation's ruined and Peter, God forbid, his reputation's ruined because of me. Who built my smart contract was the most important decision I made. Um, very fortunate to have Benny. So, but where that led, why I led there was because I learned a lot from Benny, him building, from us having conversations. How do we want to do stuff, you know? Board apes again, all hell. They're my inspiration, and I will never. I'm not selling my ape, but they were a year ago. And so when we looked at the contract, we're like, "Oh my god, they didn't do this. Like, that's a vulnerability. You know, like nothing they can do now. It's on the blockchain. It's out there. There's no versions. There's no updates. There's no bug fixes. And they're fine, and they'll be fine. But there were things that, like, I'm sure they were like, we probably wouldn't do that again. You know, and we didn't. We didn't do it. And so, you know, what I'm saying here is, even if it's a pure art play. If it's the wrong people and you don't know who they are, they could turn your NFT worthless in a second with the with a keystroke if they want to. They can find a vulnerability that makes them more money and totally devalues your NFT. And all that stuff can be done. And so very easily with a line of code and uh, that you might not see. And, and for me, if it's a pure art play, again, even more so. I want it to become worth a lot of money, but I don't want somebody else that I don't know who they are or what country they live in or what, you know? That, I, uh, I, I, no, that no legal recourse yeah, yeah, yeah. with them at all, that they're in charge of it. It's very scary to me. Yeah. Well, I love that insight. Like that's, that's why we're talking to you because we have kind of our ideas and sort of thinking through this, but someone that's built a project and saw all these steps and what it's like behind the curtain, like that's invaluable. It's like Benny, Benny, obviously super important. You're maybe you would have done a little bit less of a mint just to, to, to knock it out of the park even faster and just get that on. You can always mint again. I'm curious, like what else would you say was like the big pain or something that you would point to? Or a mistake, something you do differently. Or something you did right that you're just like, yeah, that was that was a pain, but I, it's something I didn't know about. You mentioned too. I'm curious if there's anything else that really stands out in your mind. Benny and I have been building solutions for easier onboarding of people who are not in the space uh, some of that involves bringing on other people's solutions, third-party solutions, and incorporating it to what we're building. But that's one thing, you know. There, there's a, you know, having a button that says "put your credit card here" and then your NFT exists somewhere. Like that's a different thing from what we did. I, I spoke to a lot of these people. However, yeah, not a mistake. I'm proud of it, like John said. It, it was a tougher thing to do, but why it wasn't a mistake is the value of the time in both directions. And Peter and I have discussed this a lot. The value of the time that I took to spend that half hour phone call onboarding someone into a theory, into crypto and then into NFTs and onto MetaMask, the, first of all, the relationships I developed were incredible for me. You know, I'm so grateful and I met a lot of wonderful, successful, good people. Um, but in the other direction, even 
giving them that service, you know, they're, they're going to be lifelong members of Tony Money. And they're never, I mean, by the way, you might have noticed, like, we have never really had more than like one, one and a half percent of our collection listed at any time since we minted. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. 98, minimally, minimally 98% of our collection has been unavailable and not for sale the entire time since the day we minted. So that I think has a lot to do with those half hour phone calls or sometimes hour phone calls that either myself or someone on my team spent talking to someone. It's like this whole experience. They didn't just click a button. It's more meaningful, right? So that's a, that's a big thing, but that was a lot of effort. And I do think we want to minimize that effort while still retaining that, that relationship. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, collection size. Uh, you know what? I think we slow down the. Um, I'm going to give you some really gritty stuff. Uh, Do it. This is, end, this is what I love. At the end of this conversation, yeah. <laughs> we slow down the the pre-sale and the pre-mint and the offering to Peter's collectors when we felt that we needed to respect the NFT community. Um, and the NFT collectors that may not know Peter's work, but might want his NFT. And we really left a chunk of the mint that needed to be available to those people and not sell it all to Peter's collectors. Um, Interesting. We could have taken, you know, it took us like a few days to like, you know, do a pre-sale. I mean, Peter texted some people, 100% of people that he texted said, I'm in, how do I do it? And Peter said, call Blake, right? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was not even, you know, so... It was effortless and it was fun. And Peter got amazing texts that say, I don't know what an NFT is, but I love you. So I'm in. you know, like, yeah, that's it was take like, my that, money. It's like the yeah. Tom Brady FTX commercial, right? Like I'm in. Well, it was it was like, dude, everything I've ever done with you, I'm I am happy and proud that I did it. That's what PT's people say to him, you know? And that's what I try to portray in the early days in the Discord too, to say, like, guys, ask anybody that's ever dealt with Peter Tony. Like, that's who you're dealing with. And I don't really want to even give you any more, you know, convincing that this is the right person to, you know, back in this art world of technology called NFTs. But um, I totally forgot where I was. I lost. Oh, okay. So what we did was we saved some and, um, you know, being really honest, there's some, I have met some amazing people in the NFT space who are really like the guy, Nabil, I mentioned, just such yeah. a, just such a great person. Um you know, other people that have been really helpful. Alex Taub from Illuminati. Uh, you know, just, there's, I don't know. There, there's so many people I, I'm not going to mention and I'm going to feel badly about if they ever see this. But, you know, um, there's just, there's so many. Ralph Q. There's just people that have helped us. Chris Adamo, JP, JPEG Morgan, the whole place. Sue Marks, who's like this amazing woman who's entering NFT space now and just crushes it and everything she's ever done. So I've met amazing people. Um, and uh, I got to say Magdalena. I'm sorry. So... <laughs> I've met a lot of amazing people, but, but I've also met a lot of people who have really let me down. And I would say per capita, you know, person to person, I would say someone like the people I just mentioned are worth a hundred people that I've never met and are just, you know, and, and you guys, you know what I mean? By the way, you know, excuse me for not mentioning you guys and Elizabeth, uh, who's at the we'll party that you. I think you met. And yeah. All these people, um, you're all, you're all worth a hundred or maybe more the, of the, the people that, that I'm not so impressed with. But there are a lot of people I'm not so impressed with. And there is a lot of, it is, is the nature of the space right now. It will not last because no space can last like this. But the nature of the space is lottery ticket buying, pulling a slot machine. Did I win or did I not win? Flip it, get out, take losses, cut losses. And it was just so like, these are the people we saved a significant chunk of our collection for and didn't let 
more of PT's, you know, didn't let PT's collectors buy more. Cause when I tell you, we, we could have sold the whole collection to probably 10 people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I believe that. Like these, Absolutely. They, you go, you know, a piece of Peter Tony artwork ranges on average about 50 to a hundred thousand dollars, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're selling them something for a thousand dollars. It's like, well, can I take, can I take 200 of them? You know, like that's, yeah. that's you know, it's like, so uh, how do I own the whole, how do I own 25% of the collection? You know, it's like, no, 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 you, you can't do that. Right. We thought we're doing the right thing. We're keeping it democratic. It's web three. I still kind of happy I did that, but I much rather have not saved so much and, and limited, you know, I, I much rather have minted more. I, I, we could have taken easily taken three weeks and minted the entire collection in, in a pre-sale and just said, there's nothing left. And now you have to buy in the secondary market. Um, so we didn't do that. I don't know if I'll say it's a mistake. I, I guess it's a mistake, but I just didn't realize that uh, how early in wild west the space is and how people yeah. really are, you know, even a couple of people, I'm not going to go into names, but I mean, a couple of people who got into the pre-sale and got a, a generous gift from Peter, and not very many, I'm going to say two people, you know, but I got a generous gift from Peter uh, for being in the pre-sale that wasn't tied to the NFT. It was just like, hey, something showed up at your front door, um, you know, got in early, were welcomed into that world, and then kind of showed that they were just NFT degenerates like everybody else. And they were like competing with our floor during our mint, you uh, know, and it's just like, yeah. what are you doing? That's like really gross. Like, I'm not mad. I'm not saying like, you can't do that. I'm just saying like, it's weird behavior. And yeah, like, do yeah. I wish I didn't inv invite you into this presale? A hundred percent. I wish I didn't, you know? And yeah. like, you yeah, know, those aren't I'm just anonymous to... degenerates, degens that are just out there looking to flip it. Like those are people that you actually reached out to that Tony, that yeah. Peter had a relationship and, and again, with. By the way, we're talking about like two or three people out of 200 yeah, people. Yeah. So that's not, that wasn't the norm of the presale at all. Norm of the presale is why we have 98% unlisted. But more so going into the, 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 the DGENs out there, which again, and I can't judge them because I'm doing it. It's right? fine. I'm, yeah. buying, I'm buying something. And when it doesn't crush it, I'm like, ah, can I get out? Can I get 90% of my money back? Hop into something else? I'm doing it. I'm when it's a full business anybody. transaction. Yeah. When there's a business relationship, yeah. they're like, fine, everything's on the table. But when there's more of a relationship, an actual personal relationship there, you don't yeah. take it to that level. No, no. I, I want to, yes, that's, that's definitely true. But I want to be clear. I'm not really, that was a little bit of a side note or tangent. What I'm really talking about is the, are, are the strangers. Cause that wasn't, yeah. an, that didn't okay. affect our project. It was yeah. disappointing and it, it was like a bummer, but what really affected our project, I think is to save it for, you know, save so much of the collection for the strangers who did, you know, again, shame on me because I'm doing it. So why didn't I think, so I'm going to call it a mistake because why didn't I think they're going to do what I'm doing for other projects. They're going to respect my project. I'm going to be, I'm out, right, in a new project. So they're going to do that. I should have thought, let's not let them hold our tokens. Like, let's not let them be in, in charge of our project. Um, so that, that's where I was like, oh yeah, forgot about that. That's a big mistake. If you have people who will buy your tokens because they love you and support you, let those people buy your tokens. You don't owe anybody anything. And, and you know, it's like if people say, well, what about us? We're like, well, all due respect, you're there to buy a, a lottery, to buy a scratch off. And if it's not a, a 10Xer, you're going to throw it in the garbage or you're going to tank my floor. Yeah. I'm just not interested in that. All due respect, you can do that. And by the way, I'm over here doing that on other projects. But for my project, I, that's not good yeah. for business. It's not yeah. good for anything. And so uh, it's not good for Peter's brand. Like it's just that that's, I think the biggest thing, you know, uh, if you have that's people go to your people, mint them out. DGENs want to get in, let them get in when it's one ETH, you know, and, and they'll, they'll ride there from one ETH to 10 ETH. And I hope they do, but uh, you know, we're, I don't know if it's going to take a month or a year to, for us to get to one ETH for a 5k bar and, and a hundred K bar be up from there. You know, one of our gold bars sold for 12 ETH. Uh, that was fun, you know? 
a couple That's of like nice. silver bars. It's silver bars are have, have been sold for somewhere around like I don't remember what the ETH number was. It's something like twelve to fifteen thousand dollars at the time. And you know, the gold bar I think went for like forty or something. And so forty thousand. And so that's the other thing I will say that I, I'm looking, people get the floor thing on OpenSea. It's, it drives that. And of course, they're in it to drive that and drive the FOMO. But they're also, I think an average purchase price would make a lot more sense than, you know, because, well. The floor price, yeah. It's, it's, it's a strange yeah. metrics to be to be viewing the success or the, the health of a project. It really is. Yeah. It is for for the tony money blocks, especially because we're not the art yet. This is your membership card, and they go yeah. from five k greens, which there are twenty eight hundred of, to five gold bars that say hundred k. You know the the difference is massive. So when something's selling for twelve ETH, there's no uh, in, indication of that. If you go to our OpenSea, you don't see anything that says this sold for thirty eight thousand dollars and this sold for twelve thousand dollars. You only see the lowest thing that ever sold, yeah. which is a five k bar. You know so. And, and, and with that spread though, I don't even, I, I have not minded for one minute where our floor has been the whole time because it makes sense to me. You're gonna mint at a certain price, then there's gonna be this many green bars and this many gold and all in between. It makes sense that the, the floor might go a little below the mint price if the gold is gonna go yeah. 25 yeah, times the mint price. Yeah, because, because the, the, mint, the mint is a weighted average of the probability of each. Yeah, it's a spread. It's a weighted average and it's right. a, it's an expected value of all those possible outcomes. So it's going right. to be higher than whatever the lowest element of that whole block exactly. is. Exactly. And, and the thing is, I don't even like having these conversations. Yeah, it doesn't matter because it. it shouldn't be so. Of it. I'm guilty of it because there's no way I'm not having this conversation about every other's project. So I can't yeah. pretend that I'm not. I can't pretend that I'm not buying into projects, flipping them, buying five just in case, flipping four. You know, I'm doing it all. When it's yours, you take it a little personally. It hurts for a second, then you get over the you, know, <laughs> you get over the you get over the baby Hulk moment. But um, and yeah, and yes, John, when it's a per, when it's a relationship, when, when you're shaking the person's hand and they've been at your at your event eating your food and they got a nice gift from Peter Tunney, it is personal. Yeah, and then then you're then that's that's kind of fucking lame, you know. Yeah. But again, yeah. thankfully. Thankfully, uh, out of 200 people, 198 of them never did anything like that. So we're, we're, we're really happy with that tournament. Yeah. No, that's, that's a, and that, that speaks a lot to the following that Peter has and the value that those, that massive amount of holders see in the project itself. So I, I mean, I, I, I once had a mentor who told me, you know, you could have a beautiful mountain landscape in the distance and you can look at your thumb and have your thumb in focus and not see the mountain, or you can look at the mountain and not see the thumb. It's all about perspective. So yep, I think you, you guys zoom out. out the part with, uh, with what you've done so far. Thank you so much. I love that analogy. Yeah. I love perspective. Perspectives, maybe one of the most important things in life, you know? Oh, hundred so, percent. Yeah. So, so you mentioned some of these other things that you kind of look at a little bit more critically. What are some projects that you're excited about from a collector side? outside of what you're involved as the creator? Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm like a self-contradict myself so badly. I, <laughs> I think, I think some it's undoxed like individual 17 no. year old. <laughs> no, not undoxed. Definitely not going undoxed. I wouldn't, I wouldn't promote an undoxed here, but there is an artist forgetting his name. His, his name is out there. Hey, Craig Freeman. I want to say something like that, but he, uh, the project's Dower Darsals. And, you know, it's artwork that I looked at and I was just like, I love this artwork. Like, and then the real reason I bought it, though, I was going to say I'm self-contradicting because it's because it's kind of like an art play. But but also the thing that really got me in is that I looked at this guy's history as an artist 
And he's done, I don't know how big and successful they are, to be honest, but he's done partnerships with Warby Parker, with LVMH, wow. with his art. So, you know, over the last eight years, I think I saw he's done some some really good partnerships and with, with these brands, which just show me like, he's not only a very talented artist, I love the art. I mean, I just, I don't know, something about it really spoke to me. And, and then I found one that I eventually really loved and I stuck with that one. But um, I just, I like the art. I don't know him, by the way, I have no, you know, no stake in this project in any way. I just really honestly like it. And so, um, you know, if I were to sell my ape, I think this guy would be my, uh, my, uh, my PFP for a little while. I really love the one that I have. Um, so yeah, I, I like that guy. He's doing pretty good. It's just been, you know, bouncing up and down. See, I'm talking about the floor like an asshole. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. And, uh, what else? I don't know, man. I'm really focused on honey money. I haven't been buying much. I've kind of been selling just uh, trimming it down. Um, I've been buying, you know, three or four different projects that support Ukraine. Uh, nice. Obviously, it's just a pure profit. They're Ukrainian artists. They're in Ukraine now making these oh, projects wow. digitally, putting them out. I try to vet as much as I can to make sure they're legitimate, um, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, doing that, anything that has to do with charity, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, obviously, I think it's a great use. I think most projects should be, supporting charities or all projects. There's just all this money flowing. When that happens to me, it's like, you gotta, you gotta give some over there, right? I mean, that's the whole point. Speaking of which, I'm just gonna back to Tony Money for one more second and just in case anybody who would be listening or watching this doesn't know, um, you know, we've, we've committed 25% of all, uh, in perpetuity of all secondary market royalties for anything that comes out of any Tony Money project to go to a certain uh, foundations that we support which are wrongful conviction organizations, which Peter's oh, nice. a big supporter and proponent of, namely the Sunny Center, the Innocence Project, um, the Christopher Reeve Foundation, uh, which is uh, helpful to any you know, spinal cord injury hmm. um, treatments, and uh, a, a foundation called Bring Change to Mind, which is about mental health, which is one of my uh, most important causes to me personally. And so, um, you know, we've gone, I'm not going to discuss figures, but we've gone above and beyond on day one That's fabulous. on supporting those causes. Um, you know, we've paid for, let's say we paid for five years of potential royalties and donating just from the mint, you know, nice. which, which weren't even, which even wasn't even on our roadmap to do, but um, there's nothing better, dude. There's no better day that I had than, you know, wiring that to, to the Christopher Reed foundation. And then we threw a Christopher Reed foundation event um, and sponsored it in, in the Winwood walls for uh, Alan Brown, who's uh just a champion and a leader and, and someone who's paralyzed himself and um, just a, a wonderful human. So that's just important. I wanted to that's say awesome. that. And, and yeah, going into other NFT projects, I like, I love anything that's charity based. And cool. um, I like uh, that, that project I mentioned, and I can't really think of anything else that I'm super bullish on right now. I'm just kind of taking a, a creator seat for a while and focused on tiny money and how to add value to the people who will collect tiny money over the next like six months. How do we make this um, a home run for, for everybody involved? That's, that's really all I'm focused on in the tease right now. All right, very cool. Well, I, I know you uh, you said you're, you're busy making uh, the tiny money mechanism work and I, I know you've got some, uh, you gotta head down to Miami. Um, so yeah. we will let you go, we'll wrap up there. We definitely appreciate the time that you've given us. Um, Likewise. When, when John's in town, I would love to do another episode and we'll, we'll maybe film something on location because the, the gallery for, for people who can't make it to Miami, if you ever have a vacation in anywhere South Florida, 
Winwood is definitely worth the trek and you cannot miss Winwood walls when you go down there. But I would love to do for those who can't make it, I'd love to maybe set up a, a slew of cameras and we'll do a, an in-person interview there. Maybe do a little tour of the, the space because yeah, know, we'll right get, uh, and we'll have PT there and we, for sure we should do that. That's a That'd great, be great. Uh, and you guys, I got to say, you guys were fantastic hosts. I was eavesdropping on all sorts of conversations that you guys were having, other people who were there. I learned a lot about crypto and NFT. So it was an awesome crowd to uh, just, you know, rub elbows with. So I, I had a great time there and I definitely appreciate the, uh, the hospitality and it was, it was a cool event, beautiful art. And I've, I've been to that gallery every single year in the November, December, whenever art Basel tends to be. And I, I've, I've seen the, 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 the bug golf carts and everything else. Peter is an icon in a very iconic spot. So that was really cool to have even more of a connection yeah. um, to the space. Awesome, dude. Yeah. And likewise, and, it was great to have you. And Blake, before you go, just real quick, what's the best way people can follow you, follow the project, follow some of the things you're interested in? What, what's the way you'd like them to, to see all that? I know you said the website's launching soon, but what about your social media handles and other things? Yeah, so we're Tunny Money Everywhere, which is, you know, T-U-N-N-E-Y and then M-U-N-N-E-Y, Tunny Money. Um, so we're tunnymoney.io is the website, uh, slash Tunny Money is the Instagram, slash Tunny Money is the uh, Twitter, um, Discord, um, for those who care about Discord. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, You've done such a good job at convincing them to go. Sold! <laughs> um, and uh, I'm just, I'm dying for my team to tell me it's okay to close it because there's not enough traction. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I, we're, we're so happy to have people there. Uh, and yeah, and then I'm Blake Ian everywhere. So Instagram, Twitter, uh, BlakeIan.com. Blake, it's the other projects I've worked on in the past um, to dox me and understand what I've done in my career and know why, know how I, you know, look at and go at a project, um, which is with everything I have and, uh, and, and exhaust all options to make it successful. And so, yeah, that's us. Blake Ian is me, Tony Money. Uh, Peter Tunney is, uh, is PT on Instagram. He's not on Twitter. Um, we sort of use the Tony Money Twitter for both. And uh, that's it. All right. And I'll, I'll put links to everything I can in the show notes. So if you're watching or listening, check out the show notes and um, give him a follow. And he, he's on TikTok. I'm following uh, Peter on TikTok and he's dropping. Uh, oh, yeah. He's on wisdom, TikTok now. Right. <laughs> randomly. So you could follow him everywhere. He's, he's, he's ubiquitous. Yeah, for sure. Love it. Thanks Blake, so thank much, you guys. so much. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thank you. thank you so much for tuning in. I want to make sure you don't forget to check out the information and the links in the show notes. Some of that stuff is going to get you into freebies and raffles and contests and all sorts of other promotions. But also, we've got a private group dedicated to our listeners and our followers. We would love to see you there. Love to see you collaborate, join, and get exclusive content that we are only distributing through these other means. Speaking of distributing through other means, I want to make sure that you're also subscribed to our podcast, our YouTube channel. And again, join that private group so you know everything that we know as soon as we know it. Good chat.